G'day, and welcome to More Than A Minute, the podcast that aims to amplify the voices of TikTok creators who have something important to say, create something beautiful, or simply make the world a better place simply by being themselves. A lot of these wonderful people have their videos taken down or are silenced by the algorithm, so we take this opportunity to shine a light on their work and give them more than 60 seconds to tell us what they're all about. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Kanyak McLeod, aka the Hebridean Baker on TikTok, who uses cooking, music, and language to showcase and delight in the unique culture of the Gallic people of the Outer Hebrides. G'day, Kanyak. How's it going? Good morning, John. Good evening to you. How is Australia? Thank you very much. Yes, it is cold and raining and miserable here. <laughs> well, I still I still think you need to move to Scotland then. If you're so used to Melbourne weather, you would fit in perfectly in Scotland. Oh, and I love Melbourne winter as well. Like Melbourne autumn and winter is my absolute favourite. We normally go out to the valley because we're in, we're in the outer east of Melbourne, so we normally go out to the Yarra Valley and up into the Dandenongs and spend a lot of our time driving around in the in the cold and the wet. So, um, no, I, I, look, if I can convince my wife to get a you know a job, if, if, if we can somehow score her a job at a, at a university somewhere over there, we'll absolutely make the move. Sounds good. <laughs> so um, I suppose the first question, the most important one is, um, for the people who are unfamiliar with you, um, what sort of content do you create? Um, and I suppose, like, what is the main focus of your TikToks? And that is quite a big question. So <laughs> feel free to answer at your leisure. Thanks, John. Well, um, my uh, name on TikTok is The Hebridean Baker. And the Hebrides are a small set of islands in the northwest of Scotland, sort of between Scotland and uh, mainland Scotland and Iceland. And um, my content as the Hebridean baker, you would assume would all be baking. <laughs> um, there's, there's a wee bit more to what I do. I I am a big and very passionate about the culture and identity of our islands and our language as well. So I give we Gaelic lessons. I head up the hills with Peter and our wee dog Shoris. Um, and probably what I try and do is create and showcase our life, our lifestyle. There's a, a phrase in Gaelic that, uh, do you remember when there was that big kind of trend of hygge, the Danish lifestyle? I don't know if you uh, kind of got into that. It was very much about, no. slow, it was about slow living and uh, enjoying your time. And mm. we have a similar concept in, in, in Gaelic, which is called blas, which is about contentment. Mm. And uh, there's a phrase, a very blas erlos, which means um, there's a time for everything. And that's what I want to create with my TikTok is just give yourself some time to enjoy enjoy life. Mm. Well, that definitely comes across. And yeah, you you did um you covered quite a quite a, a few of the things that I wanted to talk to you about in that one little intro. Um, 
But uh, before we get stuck right into it, what sort of started you on your path to creating content? Like what got you into, especially TikTok? Yeah. Well, um, TikTok was a platform that I hadn't used before. Like lots of us, I'm sure we kind of fell upon it because we saw it maybe on another social platform. But mm. for, for me, it was kind of sort of as many of us in lockdown needed a bit of a outlet for creativity. Um, in Scotland, we were really strictly locked down and um, I could be busy in an empty room. I have never been bored for, for one day. Yeah. And I just wanted, as I said, to create a concept that was able to um, let people know a little bit about our community, our people and our story. And I just thought baking was quite a, a, a way to do it that seemed subtle because mm. I will sometimes have traditional bakes. Sometimes when I'm making something, I'm just telling a story about something completely different. Mm. And um, the feedback I've got is very much that they, they are learning, but they're doing it in a positive way. And that that's that's what I hope to always, always provide. And TikTok, for me, is just a great platform to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen some incredible educational content come out and education in terms of culture, but also like um, a lot of very powerful activism as well as, um, well, I mean, calls to action. But uh, some of the people I admire most are also people who prior to being on TikTok and and a lot of them came to, sort of um, came to TikTok during the lockdown like you did, um, like during, during 2020, are people who were just sort of sharing their lives like their daily lives or an aspect of their lives that they just want to sort of put out there and they've sort of garnered like these massive followings and i think it's just lovely to see like it's just another way to show like the vast array of humanity and how wonderful we are and like just the different ways to live and the different ways to be happy what's what's remarkable is what i found is if you have a passion mm. There are there are you will find other people out there that share that passion. Be that um, lip syncing to RuPaul songs, be it a DIY, <laughs> yeah. um, be it baking or heritage or history, and I mean the algorithms, of course, are unbelievable. The moment you watch uh, a video of, of a cat, then basically your life is cats for at least two months. Yeah. But um, so I always, I do sometimes wonder how on earth people, what algorithm made them find the Hebridean baker? I've no idea what or how people got on that journey. But so far, you know, I've had 10 million people watch my videos, which is phenomenal. Like I, I can't really put it into context. There's 30 people in my village, when I, uh, in the village I grew up in. There's only 5 million in the whole of the country of Scotland. So I'm very grateful that those folk have, have watched my videos. And we're grateful that you're making them, to be honest, <laughs> as one of those 10 million. You just touched on that. So are you a fan of RuPaul's? Oh, my goodness. 100%. Yes. Have you I mean, been that have you been watching the Down Under? I have been watching Down Under. I don't want any spoilers. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that uh, ability to have something to watch at the end of the day that will make you laugh and smile is, is RuPaul has done it better than I think anybody else. My, my go-to, I mean, I, I'm very much into very dark Scandinavian 
detective thrillers. That's what I would not oh, yes. watch, you know. So if I'm not watching um, The Killing or, uh, you know, something like that, The Bridge. <laughs> so I needed something contrasting and that's how I <laughs> found RuPaul and so I will move from as I said a, a very dark Icelandic drama with subtitles mm. to watching uh, RuPaul Down Under and I think that's the perfect night that's the perfect oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely love that do you have a like a, a favorite season like have you got a like a favorite queen from from the past seasons oh that that's tough I don't know if you know but um we just had our first Scottish winner of a RuPaul so oh. uh that was and again sorry for the spoilers there was two Scottish queens in the last uh UK uh, uh drag race and mm. we were very very proud of a Scottish winner and there was a Scottish contestant in the last American uh series as well um so I think Scottish queens are just about to take over the world <laughs> oh god I can only hope <laughs> <laughs> American Americans have held the crown for too long in so many ways, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I, I I dropped out. I think um, maybe around season nine or ten, I think, uh, and and for no good reason. I think maybe it just wasn't on the streaming service that we were using. It switched from one to the other, and we just lost our access to it. Um, and we've since tuned back in for Down Under because now we watch it as a big group on Monday nights. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it used to be Game of Thrones night, now it's RuPaul's Drag Race night, so you can imagine some of the Game of Thrones regulars are a little bit thrown <laughs> off by the, uh, the change of viewing, but yeah, <laughs> I will say for myself, like season, seasons five and six were my favourite, and, and Bianca Del Rio will always be my queen, like, just her comedy styling and her incredible ability to turn out a dress in two minutes uh, never failed to impress me, and her fashion is incredible, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that you're into it, and I'm very glad to hear that that Scottish queens are making a you know a big a big splash because yeah, again America's America's had it too good for too long. We're ready to Thanks. take over. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got some some little notes here, and you did mention uh, when you were talking about you know the sort of content that you create. Obviously, you did mention um Shoris, and we cannot not talk about him because he is arguably one of the cutest dogs on the internet. <laughs> Well, I do sometimes feel like I'm getting in the way of Shortus's uh, stardom. I kind of, I just wonder when people are watching my videos, do they kind of suffer through my baking videos just to see Shortus having a little bite at the end or hope that he will be in the next video. But yeah, he, I, I appreciate he is definitely the breakout star. And what's been kind of amazing, I've got my... Um, first cookbook uh, coming out in September which is really exciting and last week we were doing the photo shoot for the front cover yeah. and <laughs> as the photographer and the publisher were were there it is it is as if they were going okay can you just move shorters a little bit uh, closer to the camera <laughs> can, you, can you just step a little bit further away just a yeah. little bit further just a little bit further. It was like literally like, okay, do you just want shortest in the front cover? Because I'm kind of yeah. fine with that too. Um, so he he has played unexpectedly for him and for us quite a, a remarkable part in this. But it's, um, yeah, he deserves it. He's uh, he's quite a character, to say the least. Oh, it seems like it. I think there was a video, and it was from a while ago, but a, a day in the life of Shoris on the, uh, you know, on his little trip out in the canoe and everything, <laughs> going on the hike. 
how how cold is the water? Because it doesn't seem to fuss him at all. He well, th- the thing the, the the first thing I would say is anything that we're doing, he wants to be involved. That that's mm. the first thing. West Highland Terriers are very committed uh, dogs. They just want to spend time with you. It doesn't matter if you're in the kitchen, uh, on an airplane, climbing a mountain. They'll just go, "Yep, I'm up for this too." And uh, because um, our, our cabin is the only way to get there is by canoe. So mm. uh, we, there's always going to be water involved in our in our journey uh, journey there. And so he's just got completely used to it. He loves canoeing. He loves being on the paddleboard. And if he's not involved, he mm. will. Be, you know, he will make a fuss until he is. Um, so uh, I, yeah, uh, the, I think the, yeah, as you say, there's one called the, the, uh, A Day in the Life of Shortest. And the day in the life of Shortest is usually um, shouting at seagulls um, <laughs> in the canoe, climbing a mountain and eating and sleeping. Although the last two are probably his his main priorities. His, his go-tos. Yeah. yeah. I love his little jacket as well, that little tweed number. Oh, he uh, the, the tweed. So he, very kindly, we went. So Harris Tweed is obviously a, a very big part of the island identity, and so um, and I'm working with the Harris Tweed Hebrides distiller, Harris Tweed Hebrides Mill, and uh, yeah, they very kindly got him a bespoke Harris Tweed jacket. He looks like. When I, he put it on, I was like, he should have his own kind of Sherlock Holmes detective mm. series. This is it. <laughs> Yet another iteration of Sherlock. And one that I think we'd appreciate ever since the uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch one sort of went off the air. I think there hasn't been an iteration of Sherlock that I've appreciated as much. But Maybe, I mean, uh, you know, if we think of Doctor Who, you know, you think of K-9. Mm. So maybe it's time to bring back a dog to the TARDIS. Uh, <laughs> so I think Sherlock's would be perfect. Absolutely, I, I honestly I can't believe. And I, I had to do a bit of searching and a, a bit of um, you know, uh, researching and a bit of snooping. Um, but how how does he not have his own account? And how is he not Instagram famous by now? <laughs> Don't encourage him. That's all I will say. <laughs> Don't encourage him. Um, so uh, f- uh, for those of you not in in Scotland, you. Uh, Shortest is a bit of a TV star as well. Okay. Um, my partner Peter has his own gardening TV show uh, called Gara Fadric, uh, which goes out on the Gaelic channel, BBC Alba it's called. And again, in a similar way to uh, my TikTok account, Shortest has become the total star <laughs> of that show as well. So even though you know, I'm passionately talking about baking. Peter's passionately talking about gardening and foraging. Basically, Shortus just trumps us all uh, yeah. and wins the day. So he, he even in Scotland, he's, he's becoming a, a TV icon. Oh, next, I mean, next step is to get him onto RuPaul's. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> As one of the judges. <laughs> See, something else I've noticed, and it's and it's very prevalent throughout your videos, which is absolutely lovely because I, I I personally love it. Um, is that you have a passion for Gaelic music, and that you even have a folk duo that you have with Peter. And I was wondering, so do you feel that like as well as language, which is obviously a very crucial part, do you feel like music is also like really crucial to experiencing culture? 
I, th- I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, John. I think it's it's um, the way that a lot of people are introduced to either a culture or a language. Um, because sometimes you can listen to a song and the melody takes you somewhere. And sometimes the, 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 the lyrics are can be secondary if, if it's in a foreign language. Um, and then you start to get to know the culture and want to know more about the language as a result. And remember, Gaelic, it's only spoken by 50,000 people in the world. You know, it's a very minority language, I guess. Um, but our identity, I think, supersedes that. And I think music is a big part of it. Mm. Um, when, you're, when you're from the, the Hebrides, everybody's a singer like that's it's just part of our identity we grow up singing we grow up with that um way of telling stories through music and so it's not it's not a strange thing for us to be performing and singing Mm. and there is um there is a uh, a competition called the the royal national mod the mod is basically like a, a very formal a uh, very traditional version of the Eurovision Song Contest. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so it's 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 like the it's like Eurovision, but if Eurovision stayed in 1956. Okay, um, and probably not great for a, a few people for a few reasons, but <laughs> correct, correct. Um, and so um, I've performed at that for many years, and I won the what the kind of solo competition there a few years back, and then myself and Peter won the. Uh, won the competition as a as a duet, and uh, yeah, so we perform under uh, the the name Gilin Halin, which uh, it, <laughs> I know it's not the easiest to remember. So in English, we call ourselves the Hogmanay Boys. Hogmanay, as you probably know, is the is the Scottish New Year's Eve. Um, and all our songs, there's so many celebratory and fun songs in Gaelic about New Year's Eve, which mm. for us is on the 12th of January. We still use the old calendar for for, for that. And um, we're at the moment, we've been working with uh, a fantastic composer to get songs which haven't been, well, really have never been recorded. They're old songs that we are now taking and creating into, I wouldn't say modern because we're never going to be modern, but uh, you would hear them on the radio and enjoy them. So taking Mm. really old traditional songs and giving them a bit of a modern twist. uh, And we're really excited to release that. Hopefully once the book is written, then I can start Mm. an album. So (laughs) I'm very much looking forward to that. So I I love the music that you have playing in the back. I I mean, a lot of your TikToks, uh, you just, literally doing like a a hike or um you know doing a bit of um almost like a, a tourism sort of video um all beautifully filmed and also yeah with the with the music playing in the background it's just this you know this beautiful gallic music um and i uh immediately connect with it purely because um there's a band a, a swiss band um uh, they're they do play heavy metal but they're like a folk metal band um which is you know been a, a relatively popular genre subgenre of metal for a few years um and they did an album back in 2007 or 2008 that was entirely acoustic and they identify with the gaulish celts mm-hmm. um and i did my my history degree at university and i majored in ancient cultures so i spent a lot of time in rome and in ancient gaul and you know unfortunately we hear more about julius caesar than we do about the people that he conquered yeah um 
but because they didn't have you know as much of a written history as as the Romans did, obviously a lot of what we know about them was written about you know by the Romans and by Caesar himself. So we have a very you know tainted view of it. But this band Elevati, they um, they took uh, old Gaulish poems that are still in existence in the traditional language, and they've sort of interpreted them with what's is is still considered in Switzerland like traditional folk music, and the connections between um, it's 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 fascinating as a as a musician myself to to hear the the connection between what is ostensibly like a traditional Swiss folk music song played on a hurdy gurdy or on a fiddle, and then to hear almost the same reel being played in a pub in Dublin, and then sure. to also hear it in the yeah. background of your music, like it's just the, the Celtic, you know, the Celtic uh, sensibility for music, and you know, with 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 the reels and everything, it seems to just sort of transcend time and transcend place to a certain extent. And yeah, the the way it echoes throughout your videos, it's yeah, it's 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 very beautiful. It's very powerful. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And um, for for those of you who maybe would like to learn more about um, Gaelic and Gaelic music, there are some wonderful singers out there. One uh, called Julie Fowlis, who I think at the moment I think is our is our most iconic Gaelic singer. She really just is bringing an identity that we haven't had for a long time on, on Gaelic music. It's mm-hmm. that concept of crossover, you know, that um, being able to hear her on mainstream radio makes us so proud because mm-hmm. she's singing in Gaelic. Um, but you have bands like Capra Kelly and Runrig and Cara Matheson and even now we have a lot of the genre of kind of Gaelic soft rock, I'm going to call it, kind of pop rock, mm. uh, which is becoming very, very popular as well with bands like Tidelines, Pete and Diesel. So it's it's in really encouraging that people are, are learning about our language through music and that 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 I'm very proud of. Mm. I, I, I've got to know, like, are you aware of any like Gaelic heavy metal bands? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd call them heavy metal, but there is there is a band that is playing pretty heavy rock at the moment called Pete and Diesel, but they're nearly okay. they're, they're nearly like um, God, how could, I would call them the Hebridean Pogues. That's the best way to describe yeah. them <laughs> because maybe a cross between the Saw Doctors and the Pogues because their lyrics are very niche Hebridean lyrics, mm-hmm. um, but they do it in such a messy, wild way. I mean, they are... They're selling out, um, or were before the pandemic, selling out venues across the country that they have no right to be in because they're singing such niche Hebridean stories and the Gaelic. <laughs> People have to. It's I don't know what it is about them. They they wear like um, boiler suits, like like they're okay. just gone fishing or or uh, out of the sheep, and they come on stage and the crowds go crazy for them. So. Um, yeah, the, the great thing is a lot of people presume that all Gaelic music is that quite austerial kind of Celtic style music. And mm. there is that, and that's a wonderful part of our culture. But it's brilliant now that, that these bands set like Pete and Diesel and Tidelines that are kind of changing that mindset as well, which is great. Mm. Well, I suppose that's 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 an important thing for people to keep in mind is as, as much as it is in, like important to not only acknowledge but also to partake in traditions and celebrate history but that 
culture and tradition don't stand still yeah. and that like you know 50 100 years down the track we're going to look back and say like well that's now considered traditional that's now considered you know a historical thing whereas you know what's what's groundbreaking now eventually will become the norm i, I hope um in a lot of ways um and for a lot of people but yeah i think you're, you're absolutely right that there is something haunting and ethereal about the traditional celtic style but to hear hear it either um melded with another genre or to hear it like a, a twist on it or to hear and even just to hear that there are bands that are just singing uh, in their native language and are, and are proud of it makes me incredibly happy because I've, I've felt for years that the necessity of speaking English to be successful in music is one of the grossest leftovers from colonial mindset that we still have, Agreed. like in the modern world. Agreed. And that there are so many cultures that we don't, and so many bands that don't get a chance because they want to celebrate their culture through their music, which is an important part of their culture that sort of don't get a shot because they refuse to sort of abide by the norms of the, the industry. Mm. Yeah, I think I think um, it's one thing I'm definitely proud of is that our people now out there that either had never heard of the Hebrides, had never heard of the language of Gaelic, that through just me telling stories or, you know, talking about it or hearing hearing the songs in my TikTok have come to me now saying, you know, I'm now learning the language and mm. or 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 come to me with like a few words that they've learned. It's makes me so proud. As I said, we're such a small um, community. Uh, mm. And the fact that now you can even learn it in Duolingo. The fact that yeah. Gaelic can be learned anywhere in the world, that makes us so, so proud. And even after if I've just played this tiny little part in that, um, it make, makes me feel amazing. Mm. Oh yeah, I think it's an incredible thing. I, I mean, I can't help but feel um, proud and 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 the same. Just uh, that it's that is a, a, an incredibly powerful and important thing for language to spread. And a lot of that is to do with my wife because she's a doctor a doctor of linguistics and is herself a, a polyglot. So. Um, like prior to, to, to meeting her, I sort of hadn't really given learning language a second thought since high school, where I sort of gave up on Indonesian halfway through year nine and I ended up marrying someone who's a doctor and, and spent seven months doing field work in Borneo because she's fluent in Indonesian and Chinese and um, several other languages, including French. Um, but yeah, it's, it's through her I've realized just how important language is. And the other thing I had on culture and the way that you get culture across in particular is you also have your podcast on spotify um which is absolutely delightful i've got to say like it is just uh, we were talking before about like a nice way to unwind at the end of the day you couldn't get a, like a, a better example of just like just something delightful if you've had a hard day or if it's just like just a cold miserable day like it is today in melbourne outside to just sit there by something warm and cozy with something warm and cozy maybe in your hand or a you know I mean I know it's a little probably a little bit early in the morning for you but I've got my, <laughs> my <laughs> evening libations here to listen to and um yeah it's like the way that you share again like the culture of the Hebrides like through the podcast I got to know how long do you reckon it's going to be before you just get a permanent posting at the like the tourism department <laughs> well you know um uh, for me, the podcasts came from just people saying ex nearly what you said there. Uh, I I would love to listen to stories of you from you before I go to bed. <laughs> and yeah. I suppose what, what is interesting for us is 
in Scotland, the way we speak and our accent is seen in a very different way to the way now I'm hearing people talk about it through TikTok. People in Scotland see us as the kind of um, the hillbillies, I suppose. They they kind of see us as the the um, well, we talked about before we started about Game of Thrones. They see us as north of the wall. You know, we don't really, okay. they don't really identify with the Hebrides as part of Scotland and um, see it in quite a, the language in a very negative way and, and us in a very negative way, which we don't really understand, you know, at, at all. And so in, in growing up and when I moved to uh, when I moved to go to university, you nearly feel you need to hide your identity as Hebridean uh, because of the way people in Scotland portrayed it at the time. And so when people, when I joined TikTok, started to say nice things about the way I speak or my accent or Gaelic, I was like, I've never heard this before. I, I'm so excited that people feel that way. And so that's where the podcast came from, is being able to talk a little bit more about the Hebrides about Scotland and tell stories. And there's one thing I talked about singing as being a big identity for Hebrideans, particularly Hebridean men. Um, but storytelling, mm. <laughs> um, there's there's a, a, a thing that somebody wrote in a book once where when you're getting to the mainland, you get the ferry over to a small town called Ullapool on the mainland. And then you get the bus. The bus to Glasgow takes about six, seven hours. And um, somebody wrote a story that you could be sitting beside a man from the Hebrides and they will, unless you speak to them, they often don't have the confidence to speak back. But mm. if you do say hello to them, they say by the time you reach Inverness, you know, you'll be best friends. They'll have told you their whole life story. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so storytelling is always a big part. And that's where I think the podcasts come in for me is it's just been able to expand on what I do in TikTok uh, and and do it, do it for 15 minutes rather than 60 seconds. Exactly. Hence the, hence the name of this podcast, More Than a Minute, was the idea was to give people more of a chance and especially some of the creators that are getting their content taken down or having even their accounts banned because of the, the sort of stuff they're posing in the, posting in the, the, the algorithm um, sort of going against them. Um, do, have you ever come across that sort of issue with any of your stuff? Because I know, I know for the most part, like your content is unabashedly wholesome. Like it is just, just, just lovely stuff. And um I mean that in the nicest possible way, but I can't. I can't see a reason why the algorithm or why the moderators or TikTok, the, like you know, whoever is in control of the app, would come after you for your content. Uh, you're right. Um, there, there should be nothing there that uh, people question in any way. It is supposed to be a positive reflection on life in the Hebrides, but unfortunately. It doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> and I actually did, you talked about uh, tourism. I did uh, uh, visit Scotland campaign. Uh, they asked me just to promote responsible tourism in Scotland. And I made some videos about, you know, looking after your dog when, you know, there's animals about, about what to do when you go for picnics and all those kind of things. Mm. And um actually unfortunately um again <laughs> i love my country and i love <laughs> i love scottish people but um I, I was probably getting maybe 300 abusive messages a day just from other scottish people saying 
why is why is somebody who's not from Scotland uh, talking about Scotland? What's this horrible accent telling me I, my dog should be killed because I'm not from Scotland? And it, it after such a wonderful after such a wonderful experience in TikTok, and mm-hmm. honestly, I I'm still humbled by all the beautiful messages and comments I get every day. Like um, so, some days I wake up and I'll have like a thousand people message me and I mm. reply to everybody. I, if somebody has taken the time out to say something like, I love Shoris, um, you're, I, I'm learning Gaelic or um, I'm going to bake I, I can't wait to bake that. How can you not reply? I mean, I can't. Yeah. I still can't believe that people have taken the time out to say that. So I reply to everybody. So when I started to get th- this negativity, I, it, it did throw me because again, mm. I just, it wasn't it, it wasn't something I was doing that was controversial. But again, our identity seems to threaten unnecessarily people who have more uh, uh, traditional Scottish accent or traditional Scottish identity and the Gaelic language is something that they just don't really like to be promoted so it's a small minority um, but yeah it kind of hurt a little bit the last few weeks when that happened so um, but luckily as I said and particularly my followers internationally I've just been humbled, humbled by the energy that they've given me, given me, particularly through the time of the pandemic, where you know it's 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 you want to try and keep positive, but it's not always mm. easy, be it with mental health and those kind of things. So um, it's it's been very special, very very special. So the minority, I really try not to spoil what is what has been a wonderful experience. Well, that is lovely to hear, but it is awful to hear that people have been, you know, coming after you for the, you know, the, the tourism videos because as an outsider, I can't, personally, I can't fathom it. I, I guess that's something that, yeah, we don't really, as, as uh, uh, this probably applies to almost every country and every cultural group, society, however you want to like sort of class people, but to the outside, you don't really see those, those internal, you know, factions and fractures. Like I think to, to most of us uh, who are, even re- like looking at it remotely and not looking too deeply into it, we probably just assume that like most like Scotland is a united front against you know England sort of thing. Like, <laughs> sort of that, that, that's the main point of contention is like all of Scotland is together in in not liking England. And I didn't realize that there was such a, a distinction between you know because we grew up across the street from a, a fellow from um, from Shetland, so mm-hmm. I we grew up and and they were close friends with the family, and so I sort of grew up with a Scottish accent in the house, and my mum and dad were huge Billy Connolly fans, and they swore <laughs> by Sean Connery as the only true James Bond apart from Michael Moore. So. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. I'll let Michael, you Moore that, Michael Moore makes some great documentaries as well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grew up with it with the Scottish accent and, and I recognize now like some very, you know, distinct Scottish accents between, you know, like Billy um and um and especially uh yeah Carl from across the road from Shetland. Like their accents were completely different, but I still recognize them as as Scottish. Um, and I, I think I didn't, I really didn't interact or have much to do with an Irish accent until I saw Braveheart. And even then, I'm not sure if the guy that played the Irish, the mad Irishman in that was necessarily Irish, but not that Braveheart's like the best representation of Scotland in general. Like, well, Mel Gibson is probably the most identifiable Scottish person in the world. Oh my God. <laughs> to many. I, 
I hate that. I hate that so much. I'm not going to lie to you. I hate that so much. <laughs> Most people do think William Wallace does actually look like Mel Gibson, but uh, yeah. hey, such 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 is life. Such is life. But you know that is. I mean, again, you are right that it's that is a, a, a Scottish identity. But with all countries, there's there's identities within that, and um, you know, I would say my first six months on TikTok. I spent most of the time re replying to questions. Uh, the question, um, are you related to Robin Williams or are you Mrs. Doubtfire's illegitimate son? Oh, and right. That to me was, was kind of wonderful because at least they were relating <laughs> related to Scotland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm very proud of my Scottish identity and I'm very proud mm -hmm. to of Scottish independence and to be honest with you it isn't anything about dislike in another country it's just about us having our own identity but at the same time there's still division in Scotland you know there's still people who 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 as with any country have different belief systems or different concepts and where they want the country to go um, mm. but from my side you know I, I'm very proud of my Scottish identity. And rightly so, you've got a lot to be proud of. <laughs> you actually, uh, and this is going way, way back, but you mentioned uh, sheep very briefly, and I can't not mention the lambing videos because that was just some of the most delightful stuff to come across my timeline <laughs> in the last six months. So you, you spent some time um, with your brother. Yeah. Um, and uh, his, his name is Mordo. Mordo, yeah. Mordo. So not Mordor. It's not. It's, there's no <laughs> Lord of the Rings connection there. Mordo. <laughs> see, the thing is, though, on uh, in in Gaelic or on the Hebrides, there's really only th three or four men's names. We're all mm. called the same, <laughs> which is Canioch, Mordo, Dual. That's kind of the main three names, and my that's me and my brothers. We've all got these names, and. The moment we step off the island, everybody's like, "What's your name? How do you say it?" And so for us, these are like, these are like John, Jay, like the most yeah. common names. But I, I appreciate for others that are a wee bit different. So uh, yes, so Murdo, uh, one of my older brothers, um, he uh, still works in the kind of traditional industry of crofting, which is like small farming, um, and has about 400 sheep, uh, and had just, when I spoke to him last night, just had his last lamb of the season. Uh, he said he had 303, <laughs> uh, 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 lambs. He had a tough time. We, in the most wonderful way, we have beautiful, um, our, our landscaping cottages, uh, uh, bird life to come to our islands and one are beautiful sea eagles which are beautiful to look at but unfortunately during lambing season of are not friends of, of, of crofters so I think we lost around 30 lambs to the sea eagles um, actually when we were doing a photo shoot for the book <clears throat> I, we could see a sea eagle just I mean mm. I don't know if you've ever seen one there their wingspan is huge, so they're so mm. identifiable. And we realized, because in the land we were uh, shooting, there was no lambs or sheep, but we realized um, he had his eye on Shoras because uh. he, they would be able to take a dog of that size. Mm. Uh, so we had to hide Shoras under a jacket because they can swoop in, in a second. Um, but yes, lambing was... 
I mean, who doesn't love a wee video with some cute lambs? <laughs> oh. And yeah, feeding them from the bottle and everything. It was just, it was just beautiful. Is that part of a, a family tradition for you guys? Is Morto sort of like carried on like part of the, the family yeah. tradition of crafting? Very much so, yeah. So the traditional industries in the island are fishing, weaving, and crofting. Um, mm. What's difficult now is it's hard for any of them to be your core work because, well, really, the, you just can't make enough money from them to sustain mm. yourself. But uh, So it's more of a kind of supplementary to maybe another job that you do. So mm. uh, a lot of people who come to our islands are always surprised by you know, the person who runs the post office is also the fisherman who's also the, the, the <laughs> postman, you know, you know yeah. uh, all these different jobs. Um, but that's really the way uh, we have to be on the islands. Um, but yeah, my father was a trawler fisherman out in the North Atlantic and um, uh, a crofter. My mother was a Harris Tweed weaver. Um, so the industries are ones that, I mean, if I look back, uh, over the last 300 years in my family, um, mm. actually what what my family do now isn't actually any different to my family in 1720. You know, they're doing the same things. Apart from me, I'm the... Uh, I'm as, the except for the tick sharks, <laughs> so to speak. I'm literally the black sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Something else I was thinking about in regards to, um, like just the location of the Hebrides, is that you would have sort of been sort of right in the with its in you know in in relation to Iceland like the you know, the north of Scotland, you'd have been right in the way when like um, Vikings were coming through on their way to to Dublin and to the the west coast of England, and Scotland obviously as well. Yeah. Um, is there, I know that Dublin um, has like quite a they, they have an entire museum dedicated to the Viking history of Dublin. Is there sort of a, a history of interaction, or were there, there were there elements of Viking culture that sort of either settled or or, or have impact on um, on the Hebrides? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a massive part of our identity. So the the Hebrides were part before Norway became Norway, as in before mm -hmm. the, the the kingdom was created. It was the it was called Man M A N, and so the Hebrides was part of Man and then became part of Norway for 200 years. Mm. And it wasn't until Sc Scotland actually bought the Hebrides off Norway. That's how they became part of Scotland. Um, and that happened in 1266. So before, before 1266, we were part of the uh, Norwegian kingdom. Oh. Um, and this is, you talked about Irish earlier, and this is the, the core difference between the two languages. If somebody's speaking to me in Irish slowly, I can't understand them, but it's quite hard for them to understand us because their Gaelic is, is the more pure original language. Our language is so intertwined with Old Norse and particularly Old West Norse that um, it's nearly like a mix of the two languages together. Mm. Um, I think I read we have, I think it's 113 villages on our island and over 90 of them have um, Viking and Old Norse names. Mm. Um, so I'm from the village of Cromor, which only has 30, 30 people in it. And Cro is the Old Norse word for a, a, a settlement for cows. Mm. Uh, and more is the Gaelic for big. 
So technically, I'm from Big Cow. Uh, <laughs> the next village is Crow Big, which is the Gaelic for little cow. Um, and so you, you, the, the influence of the Vikings is significant on, on us. You, you see a lot of what would have been pagan kind of Viking rituals in, in, in those days are still influencing our celebrations and our heritage. And I would say a lot of people from the island still look north before they look south. Mm. Remember, um, I'm closer to the south coast of Iceland than I am to the south coast of England, mm. uh, geographically. Um, and so, yes, I think from a cultural point of view, we do identify with with our northern neighbours more for sure. Well, that's what, that's what I figured. Just just given that you were talking about how you enjoy um Icelandic or um Scandinavian sort of uh, uh crime shows, mm. I'm, I was wondering if there was a, any sort of connection there. And as uh, as I was saying, I did cover mostly like a lot of ancient Rome and uh, and Greece in my history degree. But the other big part of it, and and, and it is very like Eurocentric and especially ang- Anglo-centric. The the further on you go in in history degrees in Australia, at least, I don't know if the rest of the world can say the same, but um. We did cover in the medieval period, you know, like they'd cover the Dane law and basically like England in the the early to mid medieval period and everything, and and that, that did fascinate me because this is right when the the show Vikings was really, really you know hot on TV and everything, and I actually coincidentally had the same hairstyle as Ragnar for a long time. <laughs> I actually had like a mohawk, like a dreadlock mohawk that I used to keep in a big plait. I wish I, I could that... say the same, John. I oh. wish I could say the same. <laughs> Look, I'm very bravely trying to grow mine out at the moment, but I, I was I, I was keeping mine shaved close to the skull for about a year, and, and I just decided one day I'm just going to grow it out and see what happens. If I don't like it, I can always shave it off. But it's also to, to help my poor old mum because I, I told her if I keep my head shaved, I'll be tempted to get tattoos on, on the head, and then she said that'll be the end of it. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, the, uh, our names as well give us the identity as well of, of kind of our Viking time. So I mentioned Kanye is my first name, Kuhn. Um, and don't laugh here, John, because I know you can see me on the screen, but Kuhn is the old Gaelic word for handsome. My mother mm. wasn't to know what, what was going to happen to me, but that's what Kanyoch means. But when you Knock look it at off. My, <laughs> but when you look at my surname, as a lot of your listeners will know, Mac is the Gaelic word for son. And we use the kind of patronymic way, a bit like Iceland, where they, they use son and dotir at the end of their uh, surnames. But then, so I'm McLeod. That's my my surname, like the good old Highlander. And <laughs> but Lodge, Lodge. There's a number of stories about who Lodge was in 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 Viking heritage. Um, but most people believe he was the son of Olaf the Black, who was the king of the Nordic Kingdom. And uh, Lodge was one of his um, one of his sons, adopted sons. Um, but what was very interesting in Old West Norse, the 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 word Lodge is the word for an ugly father. Okay, <laughs> so technically, no. if you take my name, it's handsome son of the ugly father. And to be fair, my father wasn't the best looking uh, boy in the block, um, so I think it it fits kind of okay, you know. <laughs> I think you're a fine-looking fellow. I'm sure Peter agrees. 
So I suppose eventually we should make our way back to some of these questions that we've got. Now, obviously, we've talked about like you know the important things that you hope people get from your content, which is just education as well as um, like maybe a bit of a, a respite and rest from you know some of the 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 weariness that the world can lay at their feet. But I suppose, and you're in a good position to to tell us this. Like, how can people get more educated on the stuff that you talk about other than watching your videos? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that is a, that is a few things that I talk about. First, um, is traditional Scottish bacon. You know that that's something that I t- try to promote, or at least um, produce uh, from the islands and, and and Scotland. So, what I would love when we are able to all travel again and visit uh, different uh, different countries and see different cultures, is just try when you come to Scotland. Tr- that yes, haggis is important, and I do love haggis, <laughs> but there is more to uh, Scottish cuisine, I promise you, uh, than just haggis. And um, so from that, I think it's about, for me, it's about learning about uh, our produce and our quality produce on the islands. So that that's one thing. Um, the language of Gaelic, um, I'd be so proud if more people started to either listen to our music. And as I said, we have some wonderful singers. Julie Fowlis, I think, would be a great introduction to um, to a lot of our music. Um, but then our language, you can now uh, get it through Duolingo, which is a free app. And I know lots of the guys and girls who were the... Um, the people who put it together because mm. it's all done by community. It's not, nobody's paid to do this. It's all community. Yeah. And so the Gaelic is really well done. It's fun. Uh, so I would encourage you to do it that way. Um, and yeah, I, I think more than anything else, I hope that people will add Scotland to their list of uh, bucket list destinations because it's a beautiful country and you could come five or six, ten times and see a completely different part of the country, a different island. You know, go to Edinburgh one time, go to Glencoe the next, go to the Hebrides the next time. You mentioned Shetland, the North Coast 500. Go to Isla, to the whiskey distilleries. You're spoiled. You're spoiled. I was going to say, that's, that's pretty high up on our list, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Jess and I do enjoy, um, do enjoy whiskey. That's a... A lug of wool, and one of the, it was it was one of the Game of Thrones special special ones. And I know that they weren't they weren't all winners, but I won't lie, I'm I'm a fan of like a really peaty um, single malt. Say, if you've got lug of wool right now, that is you're going pretty hardcore peaty there. So yeah. uh, I'm impressed. Uh, ever since there's a there's a bar, and I don't know if it was potentially um if it was in existence while you're in Melbourne, but uh, it's called O de V. Um, and they do um, whiskey whiskey cocktails there, and well, whiskey cocktails. They do like whiskey pairings with sort of bespoke food and everything. We were there for a friend's wedding. We're not as fancy as all that. Don't get me wrong, but they served a drink there that was called the Smoky Rob Roy, and it was a lug of woolen that was served. The cup was served um, uh, with wood chips wow. underneath, so it actually filled the the glass with 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 smoke from the wood chips. And then they'd pour the the lager wool into that, and you'd drink it with the with the smoke. And it was a singular experience that we've yet to sort of match in terms <laughs> of uh, whiskey consumption. Other than there, there are just some times when you just you know you just really feel the need for a for, for a whiskey on a cold night, and that just just hits the spot. Absolutely. Well, I can't promise you any such 
advanced uh, uh, cocktails as that. But there is a few cocktails in my cookbook. Um, mm. There is an amazing distillery that's been open for a couple of years now on the Isle of Harris. Um, at the moment, they're just producing gin until their whiskey uh, matures, which will mm. uh, be in a couple of years' time. But their whiskey, <clears throat> which is going to be called the Heroch, um, I, I, I'm a member of the distillery <clears throat> and I'm working with the uh, distillery on a few projects just now. And again, if you make it to the islands, go and visit the Harris distillery. It, it's everything you want from a Hebridean distillery. You walk in and they've got the peat fire, welcome. Mm. The staff are the most wonderful uh, uh, people in the world. And uh, they're the identity of what they're trying to do about recruiting people from the islands, making it self-sustainable, making it a community distillery. Their mm. gin bottle, I'm sure some of your followers will will recognize it when they go online. It's such a beautiful bottle. I can't wait to see what they do with their whiskey bottle as well. Um, so, yes, I'm also partial to the dark spirits. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to like uh, gin a bit more. It's, it's, mm. it's a little bit out of my comfort zone. but uh, I agree. I'm, I'm very into a uh, couple, couple of the distilleries I like at the moment. Um, Jura, Jura whiskey, I think, has some beautiful malts. Mm. Um, I um, Just to put a timestamp, it's the, it's the Eurovision Song Contest on Saturday night here. And right. So that's a bit of a, a party night here. And it'll be the first time that you're allowed people in your house in a year and a half. This is oh, the wow. of... Um, uh, out of lockdown in Scotland for 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 a long time, so you'd allow two friends <laughs> over. So <laughs> this could be quite a wild time. So I'm already planning some pretty cool uh, cocktails with my my Jura uh, whiskey. I bought up. I got a bottle of 21 year old, which I know I shouldn't make into cocktails, but I can't. I just have to try it. Um, <laughs> And from the other scale of geography, I love Highland Park, which is the Orkney whiskey. Oh, well. yes. So uh, they're, they're my, my two go-tos from, from the distilleries. Um, I, I, I was very lucky enough to receive um, a, a bottle of Highland Park for my 30th. Um, and just even the bottle itself, the, the, the level of artistry and design that just went into the bottle. And I, I think there was a certain element of, again, I, I, you, see, you see the melding of the cultures is like I, I – sometimes have trouble distinguishing between sort of Celtic knotwork and like Norse like knotwork and rope work. And I think it's sort of a combination of the two. I'm I'm sure that there was a dragon's head at some point on on the on the bottle, but it's another example of, you know, the melding. Because even sometimes the music, some of the traditional folk music that comes from the Scandinavian countries has similar you know, similarities to the, the Celtic folk music. Very yeah. relatable. You're right. You're right. There is um there is actually a, a folk project out of Norway called um uh, uh, Vardruna, uh, which is headed by a fellow named Einar Selvig, and he does tr like truly traditional uh, Norwegian and well Scandinavian folk music, um and sings exclusively in Old Norse, um and he is featured pretty heavily on the on the Vikings show, and he has since sort of gone on to basically like any any time someone needs Viking music, they go to him because he's since become quite a name in the industry, which I appreciate because prior to that, I feel like a lot of music for that that genre was just given out to whatever 
whatever fella could sort of lay down a few reels on a fiddle or sort of had a vague understanding or as someone who comes from the culture and the tradition, he plays all of the traditional instruments. He does, you know, a lot of the traditional singing, um, uh, the, um, not, not throat singing per se, but th- there's, there's a certain resonance and a certain style to, it. and also I'd, I'd say a certain dissonance as well that, that I find almost un- unique to, the Scandinavian style over the the Gaelic or the the Celtic style is that they use dissonance as a um, an emotional force in the music. I think I think you're right. We we have uh, we have some styles of song which are maybe stand out for us. Um, we have a concept called push the viol, which the, I mean the best way to translate it would be mouth music, um, mm. where in the old days where uh, we really couldn't afford to to have instruments um, at our keilis at our evening events. People would create um, strathspeys, uh, jigs, and reels with the way they sang. So people could dance the way you would to accordion music or fiddle music, but they did it with uh, song. And it's one of my favorite ways uh, to sing. It's my favorite formats of singing in Gaelic's push the mm. And we also have the concept of what's called walking songs, but it's walking spelled A-U, that's A-U-L, walking. And that is about walking the tweed. And you'll see um, uh, a lot of of videos of, it's all women, it's always all uh, Mm. uh, women in the videos. And walking the tweed is stretching the tweed. It's one of the final parts of the creation of the Harris tweed. Um, mm. and created a style of song to, to go with uh, the movement of the ah. And so there is um, certain identities of types of song which are very unique to, to Gaelic culture that um, I suppose that's our version of you, as you say, uh, what you talked there about Old Norse music. So when you hear Push the VL, you think, I wonder what, they to- what they're talking about. But actually... The lyrics were very secondary to the beat and the tempo mm. of the Strats, Bays and Reels. And we sometimes don't want people to know what we're singing about because it's usually absolute gobbledygook. <laughs> think that are totally like you'd be going, really? It's usually about chickens or, or, or hills or something ridiculous. So, um, um, but yeah, again, uh, there's some, some great versions of that out there by Captain Cayley, Julie Fowlis, uh, and other artists now. So definitely check them out. Oh, absolutely. Will. I actually, I saw on your website that in, like from your link tree that you have a, a Spotify playlist that you put together, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, just similar to yourself, I had a lot of people who said that they enjoy the music. And, uh, so I thought, well, um, Again, I'm all about promoting artists and and and, and Gaelic. So I've put together two playlists at the moment. One which is supposed to kind of lull you into a nice feeling of kind of relaxation and just sitting looking out the window on a on a wet day. Um, and the second one is to, more to motivate you to get up the hills and and get nice. out. So it's a bit more of a up tempo uh, playlist. So yeah, they're they're on there, and uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is making a playlist and people enjoying that. So hopefully people will enjoy those playlists for sure. We'll be putting the links in the show notes. Don't you worry about that and yeah. subscribing very very uh, quickly to those those playlists because yeah, I can't wait to get stuck in. As I like to do, I like to end uh, an interview on this question simply because it's it became it was one of the things I think 
almost everyone who got into TikTok at the same time around, you know, the start of last year or even midway through last year, depending on when your particular lockdown happened. The one quote that starts off so many duets and stitches is uh, Jess the Mess asking, what's a video that lives in your head rent free? <laughs> what's yours? <laughs> what's mine? Well, I think... Um, there's one video and it makes me laugh so much. Uh, it's somebody who who um, actually was trying to find my uh, Spotify podcast. Okay, it's American lady, uh, and I've spoken to her since. Like we've been in touch since. Uh, her handle is the Brown Bird Diaries, and she basically took a video of herself trying to use. Alexa or you know one of the kind of portals to try and find the Hebridean Baker podcast <laughs> and so she starts off saying Google play Hebridean Baker podcast and Google replies I can't find Heb Baker you know like whatever yeah. and so she she slowly but surely over like the six or seven times um, tries to add a Scottish accent more and more and uh. more until, <laughs> until she tries to get it and she gets jokingly more angry at this, as I said, Alexa yeah. or, or Google. And anytime I now hear Hebridean Baker, I can nearly hear it in her <laughs> American to Scottish accent. So that's the one that makes me chuckle the most. But uh, the, there is some amazing content creators on, on TikTok. It kind of blows my mind sometimes, the the, the skill of, of so many people. I, I've kind of got a little bit obsessed with <laughs> there, there, there's a whole genre of DIY. They oh, call yeah. it like DIY mommies, a kind of DIY mom and all this kind of like a, and I'm obsessed with ups, ups, um, uh, the, the kind of like changing of furniture into kind of new furniture, all this things like up, upcycling stuff. Upcycling. It's, I'm, I'm yeah. obsessed, uh, obsessed <laughs> with that. So, um, my algorithms are often, um, DIY, which or often one of those things where I say, yeah, I'm I'm off to the charity, charity store to find and I'm going to start doing that. Never have, but that's, <laughs> I always say that after every video. Um, and I suppose with, with the baking side, what I learned was, and where my kind of direction went was, I loved seeing these people bake these stunning big 10-tiered cakes but I knew I was never going to make them. I knew that was, myself and Peter could not, I mean, we love cake, but we cannot eat that much cake. And so I intentionally always make cakes that are for two people. Mm. Uh, so it's always small batches. It's not 48 cupcakes, it's six cupcakes. Okay, six cupcakes is still quite a lot for two people, but you know, we can That's manageable. We can manage through them. <laughs> um, so I kind of learned what I love on TikTok, but also mm. what I do, which is slightly different. So mm. rather than speeding up the minute, I slow down the minute. Rather than trying to make the biggest, I just make it a size for a couple of people. So I've kind of learned what suits my my followers as well and what they enjoy. So, and I really hope hope people do. Oh, absolutely, we we all love it. Trust me, <laughs> you got fans for life. I cannot wait for your cookbook, and we can pre-order that now. Correct. So, in the UK, pre-orders are out right now, um, yeah. and international pre-orders, fingers crossed, will happen. I think by July. The book's out okay. in September. 
and I have genuinely poured my heart and soul into this book. It is a cookbook, but it's very much a lifestyle book as well. There is lots of stories, beautiful imagery. Last night I was um, on a call to choose the front cover, and I never thought that in my whole life I would be having a meeting with somebody to choose the front cover of my cookbook. Um, <laughs> and all I can say is the thing I'm most proud of, John, that I can say now uh, for the first ever time is that, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm very proud that I will not be wearing underwear on the front cover of my book. Uh, <laughs> so um, I... It's because I've got a kilt on. I have to say that there's nothing, uh, nothing more than that. But uh, I, I have this sense of warmth and smile that everybody who picks up that book, that I will be wearing <laughs> pants on the camera, <laughs> as it should be. As it should be. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic! And this has been so lovely to talk to you. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you've taken the time out of your busy schedule to have a chat with me and just fill me in on all the gossip about the Hebrides and just fill me in on culture and you know just everything. It's just been so lovely, and 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 everything that you create. That's that's if if I could sum it up in one word, it's just lovely. Thank you, thank you, John. It's been a real pleasure, and keep warm in Melbourne. Oh, thank I you. Keep, to, I used to keep warm where you are. <laughs> I used to live in in Balaclava, so I definitely know oh. what the temperatures are like. <laughs> oh, you you're an inner city snob in comparison to us mountain folk. <laughs> well, I used to tell people I lived in St Kilda trying to be cool, but I did live in Balaclava. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you lived in St Kilda's dodgy cousin. <laughs> All right, Koyak. Well, you take very best care of yourself. Um, absolutely the best to uh, to peter and shoris from everyone here in melbourne and um i look forward to being able to pre-order your book take care thanks so much Sean. thanks for listening to another episode of more than a minute i hope you had as much fun as i did don't forget to follow us on spotify or anchor fm and also don't forget to give us a like on the socials we're on facebook and twitter and pretty soon we'll be across instagram tiktok and youtube as well so if you want to stay updated then make sure you're liked and subscribed and if there's a creator that you'd like me to speak to then drop me a line you can reach me at more than a minute pod at gmail.com more than a minute is recorded on the occupied lands of the Wurundjeri people of the kulin nation we pay our respects to their elders past present and emerging and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and there is still no treaty with the first nations people of australia